Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. And that makes me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Chris, how are you? All's well. Day before Thanksgiving. It is. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, i got to get my car and travel after this. Oh, where are you going? Oh, down the street. <laughs> <laughs> We're staying home. All right. Getting a few days off from work. Family, friend, and football. Family, friends, and football. So uh, all good. Very nice. Um, and before we get started, um, I just want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving because obviously tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So everyone who celebrates, happy Thanksgiving. Agreed. But right now we're talking about minute number fifty-four, my friend. Yeah. And this minute starts with David saying, or. In other words, whining. <laughs> if I hadn't, it might have been years or never. And ends with Krug saying, Ma, Nadev, Kash, Wani, Ramku. Which translates to bridge, nothing happening here. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I love that Klingon. Yeah, I'm liking the Klingon. Yeah. Uh, I said it before, I enjoy your Klingon. So this minute, yeah, so we start here with um, with the return of whiny David. Um, basically, he's telling Savick, if I, if I hadn't, it might have been years or never. Basically saying, um, you know, if I hadn't tampered with or cheated with the Genesis Matrix and added the protomatter, like, we never would have succeeded. Right. So that's his, that's his excuse. Yeah, and that's and Savick totally calls his BS on it and just says, you know, and, and which again, I think she's had a couple of great lines over the past couple of minutes, and you know, how many have paid the price for your impatience? How many have died? How much damage have you done? And what is yet to come? Like she just covers it all in one sentence. She does, almost to the point where uh, they could have built another trailer <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> And like just you know, done a montage you know of, of just her saying, "How many have paid the price for your impatience?" You know, fade to black, and then yeah, and then shown a scene, and then fade to black again. How many have died? You know what I mean? They could have they could have just hammered that. Oh yeah, with a, it would have been a great sequence. Um, so how much how much damage have you done? And that goes back to sort of our discussion yesterday, or uh, sorry Monday. Um, you know what 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 he basically set the ball in motion. Yeah. Like you had said, you know, he never would have, you know, Reliant never would have freed Khan. He never would have gotten the Reliant, never would have come after Kirk, never would have gone to um, regular to get Genesis and then explode. So, yeah, well, how much damage have you done, my friend? You have killed a lot of people. You have, you have freed, you know, a psychopath who did a lot of damage. And now, uh, and oh, by the way, uh, you killed my mentor. Yeah. So, okay. Let's 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 go with the hypotheticals again. Uh, how awesome would the scene have been? Is as she's going through this little mini speech, mm. and she slowly like gets riled, 
like, how many paid the price? And she stands up, and then, how much damage have you done? You killed Spock! And then she just yeah. throttles him. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been... I would, I would, I would like to see that that take. And she has a little bit of foreshadowing at the end. Indeed. And what, and what is yet to come? Yeah, that's a kind of a kind of a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> but but she's right. Yeah, what else? What other? What else is going to happen? Um, yeah, of course, we just lost a whole ship, right? The Grissom just. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, everyone in the Grissom died. I mean, we could go back and just discuss everyone who, yeah, everyone who bites it and all my, all the damage and for nothing. Yeah, something that doesn't work. Well, it works. It just doesn't work right. <laughs> so that's your definition that you're gonna you're gonna give it a pass. <laughs> No, I didn't say that. I'm not giving him a pass. Uh, I, this, but it this, works. Thing it, makes, this thing makes temporary planets. It's awesome. Well, maybe they need to just stick to making them caves in planets. <laughs> maybe that's what they need to do. Yeah, sure. That, I could see that. Go back to, uh, yep, yep. No, caves, that's, that's all we can do. I, we specialize I, in. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, it goes back to what Carol Marcus says to Chekhov and Terrell. It can't be so much as a microbe, but the show is off. Well, that's interesting that you say that, because now, I know we talked about that Vonda McIntyre uh, in the novelization gave Carol a pass, because in the novelization, right. we, we learned that uh, Carol didn't know. Right. Uh, you could read into Carol's, you know, shaking her fist at Chekhov, saying, in Terrell, no, not so much as a microbe. We, we could read into that and say... Uh, not so much as a microbe, because this protomatter is going to frig everything up <laughs> if there's a well, microbe on that planet. So my m- my guess is is we know what type of scientist David is. He's pretty much a shady scientist. He's a back alley scientist. Back alley. He wow. has his little card table and he does you know kidney removals on the card table with a rusty <laughs> knife. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but I would have to believe that Carol and the rest of her staff. Must have gone through rigorous testing, and probably had instances of things that get caught in the matrix by accident, or maybe they tested it on purpose. Well, what happens if we introduce this while the Genesis effect? Because remember, they said the first stage is in the laboratory. So right. my guess is they would have had to have done numerous amounts of tests before they even went to the the cave on regular. Right, and we know they had lab rats, right? We saw a lab yep. rat on regular. Yep. So my my theory is is that that's why she says no you know not not even a microbe is because they've gone through that testing and they know what happens when there isn't which leads me back to believe that when the Genesis wave blows up I think and you may have asked me this question I think David knew what was going to happen overall after everything blew up and created the planet that would have been a cool little moment they could have inserted right at the end of Wrath of Khan, the bridge scene, the final bridge scene. They could have had David, like, you know, looking at the screen and then looking away with a frown, like, oh, yeah. God, this is not going to be good. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily had the inclination at the end of Wrath of Khan to be like, well, David's going to be the cause of everything, and um, you know, he, it's, we're all going to you know attribute it to proto-matter, but 
maybe they they had the foresight to add the remember so maybe they would have had some foresight to give put a little worry in him or a little fear you know maybe look out the screen and yeah like you said maybe look out the view screen and maybe you see him sort of look away or something to give the illusion that he everything's not on the up and up yeah i think i think so i think it would have been a nice touch it's funny that this whole thing that now comes to light that David is the, you know, like I said, the back alley scientist here. And I just feel like it is, it's such an interesting part of this, this, you know, as we've talked to other, other guests and even ourselves, this, this trilogy, like this big thing that's hanging over everything. The big thing about that David, David, David is not made, so ethical. Yeah. And then no, it, it takes, takes basically this monumental thing to, for it to all come out, right? I, for, I forget if, and I know you probably don't remember either because you're you're watching this one minute at a time. Mm. Um, I forget if if Savick tells Kirk. I, I could see her. I could see her not telling Kirk about this. You know, given I what don't, happens to David. Yeah, I don't uh, think so. I, I in fact, I if I remember correctly, he she praises him. Hmm. But I wonder if hmm, I wonder when she gets back to the Federation, you know, back to Earth or you know Federation space, that she makes some sort of like you said uh, on Monday, she does make some sort of formal report. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to get a little meta for a moment. For the past few minutes, past few episodes of the show, yeah. we've been doing a lot of hypotheticals. Yeah, and wouldn't it have been neat if they had done this, or would have been cool if they had done that, or I'd like to have right. seen this. Are we? Are, are we wishing? Are we uh, subconsciously like well, this is this isn't my my favorite Star Trek film, but it's not my least favorite by any, by any stretch. But uh, I, f- I feel like I'm, I keep saying like, oh, it would have been a little bit better if they'd done this or they'd done that. And I feel, we keep inserting stuff like, oh, they should. They totally I think that's. Well, I think that's only natural. I mean, again, we're we're watching these a minute at a time. We're taking things out of context. We, you know, yeah. And um, but I think that's what you do when you see a movie that has some flaws and you try to mentally fix them. You'd be like, um, I went and saw the Justice League, and there are elements in there that I'm like, mm, if they'd just done this differently, I feel like this would have been a much better, more fluid movie. If they'd just done this, it would have been – and I think we all do that to a certain extent with any movie. It's it not even just this. You know, I will agree that we have come up with a lot of good hypotheticals, though. I, I think the conspiracy story is the is the is probably would have been the best thing about this movie. <laughs> good job, us. See, we could be writers. Get Ted on the phone. We're going to start writing for Discovery. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, he's uh, like, he's like, you are crazy. You're crazy. Again, we're going to try and get him fired. <laughs> All right. So moving on from this uh, uh, big guilt bomb that Savick just drops on David. Yep. Uh, now we cut back to Krug and the Stooges uh, again, walking through this. Actually, there's more dead trees in this shot. There's another. There's another area yeah. they're in that things are dead and and dying, and, and it's windy. And uh, so I, I I think I, I think we talked about it yesterday or Monday. 
I, I think this is deliberate. Yeah, I definitely think seeing this scene, it's definitely deliberate. And I will say, my opinion is that this may be, again, I've only watched it up to minute 54 now. I have not watched beyond this. This may be the best high standard. This may be the best Genesis set. Uh, okay. <laughs> again, I haven't seen the whole the whole movie in a while, so I don't remember everything else that happens on the planet. I know some, there's a lot more that happens. As far as we've gone, 54, minute 54, this is the best. I feel like they've done the best job with the set here. It actually makes me think of they're walking through a decaying, dead, lifeless area. Like, it's no longer lush and green like it was before when David and Savick were there. I have to disagree with you, because one of my notes for this for this minute was actually uh, when when the when Krug and the, and the boys are looking down at the the worms, the mutated worms, the, yep. the, the background behind them, it just looks like they're, they're on a soundstage with a curtain behind it. <laughs> so, again, I said... Not a very high standard. Okay. I mean, we're talking about the sets on Genesis here, but I feel like this may be the best one. All right. <laughs> so let's. Uh, so a couple things. Well, this I got all sorts of. This, this is a this is a fun minute. I think. Um, so Krug and the boys they they show up at the at the the photon tube. Yep. And uh, you know the faraway shot as they're coming down the hill, you ca- you can kind of see already the. The what are we calling them? The worms. Worms, I guess. The worms. Uh, they're they look the pretty two gnarly. worms. Yeah, yeah. Even from far away, they look pretty gnarly and huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you immediately get this close-up shot of them. And so, what do you think of the these evolved worms? They're disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they are disgusting. Uh, one thing I've never been able to put my finger on and and only kind of came to me today as we're talking about it is they look kind of like uh, they look kind of like the cactus we keep talking about over in the snowy desert <laughs> you know, they, they, look, oh. they got kind of, you know they got looks like they've got you know um, what do you call them thorns yeah spikes yeah spikes. the thorns no, the... not spikes what do you call them on a cactus I don't know. I guess the thorns. Thorns. Well, they look like they, they look like living cactus to me. Gross red Slime. spines. That's spines. what you call spines. Thank you. That's what I wanted to say. Sorry. Yeah, pretty gnarly. Would you say these are grosser than the their uh, the, the little guys we saw earlier? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> and then, do you think these are in fact the, the same? little guys we just saw i mean savik and david weren't here that long ago well again i don't do we know that do we know how long they've been on the planet i guess we don't not yet so i mean they could have been on the planet for a little while running some tests and then following the trail of you know what we what is the vulcan child you know spock spock number one as you say so i don't know yeah i mean Hang I just, I I just wonder. I guess what I was asking the reason I was asking was like, are these the children of those things, or are these those things that we? Saw? No, I think those are those things. I think it, you definitely could see the 
the evolution of them where they have those flat sort of cobra like back thing yeah like a hood cobra hood. yeah um so i definitely feel like these are because the original ones were sort of that flat shape um so i definitely think these are the evolved version that as we are seeing things being i mean we have to remember that this is the the bacteria from the torpedo so this came from space right so these are these aren't quote indigenous to this planet they are essentially gigantic bacteria <laughs> they are space bacteria horrors <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah so before we get into what everyone says here um do you think it's a smart thing for krug to pick one of them up <laughs> Do I do I think? Okay, what do I think about this? Is he wearing his bad idea jeans? <laughs> I'm going to say uh, yeah, uh, especially you know, take us down the uh, the road a few seconds of what happens when he picks it up. Uh, I think he I think he was close to losing. Yeah, uh, I totally feel like he was close to losing. I have my own question, and it was just my question is why do they all the Klingon reactions here are. They, they could have just they could have just walked around, <laughs> but instead, you know, Shemp pulls out his disruptor. Yeah, and you know, Krug's like, "No, put your gun away," uh, and then Krug's like, I- "I'm going to go pick this thing up. <laughs> I'm going to see what this thing is." And then it totally wraps around him and gives him the chokehold of a lifetime. I mean, he looks like he is in severe pain; like it is choking him. Oh yeah, it's gross. It well, like it's got all those spines. Okay, so I, I do. I think this is. I think this this whatever this thing is, the worm. I think it's yeah. a, a brilliant special effect. Uh, you know, God bless practicals, right? Yeah. Um, but there's all sorts of fun stuff here. So, and I don't know if I ever paid attention to this before. So when Krug picks him up, uh, and then we get the shot from behind Krug, uh, and you, you see the tail, kind of wrap around his arm. Yep. Uh, almost instantly, <laughs> the another one comes up from behind him. Yep. It's not the same one because it, there's no way. There's no way it the, the tail that just like went around the front of him. Are you oh, sure about that? It, yeah, because it's it it only like only like three or four inches of it disappear in front of him, and all of a sudden there's a there's a tail coming around behind his back. So if we're gonna. So if we're going to talk about this, then I think it's it's the same one. Okay, it has to be because it's suspending my disbelief. But I agree with you that as soon as it wraps around his arm, it immediately comes wrapping around his back. I mean, yeah, there's not enough worm that it does that. Uh, yeah, that's in in the land of practical effects, bad practical effect, but. As he's fighting with this thing, and it goes around his neck, and you can even see the tail has gone around completely around his neck mm-hmm. because you can see the end of the tail around the other side, peeking up over his shoulder and laughing at him. Yeah, basically laughing at him. But when he finally squeezes the life out of it, the tail around his neck goes limp, and he's able to throw it aside. All right. So. So it either has two tails, yep, or it just it just uh, its tail can grow really fast, or move really fast. 
or that whole series of worm is one gigantic worm. Oh, gross. The whole pile of things? The whole pile of things is just one big gigantic worm. Okay, that's gross. I don't know if that's true, but it just... I don't see how he... If there's two things wrapping around him, he's a dead man. (laughs) Right. There's no way he wins because he barely beats one. Yeah. You know, he squeezes the life out of it. And then I will say the one weird thing, and, you know, for continuity's sake, uh, he grabs it, picks it up, it wraps around his arm, and then totally wraps around his neck, even going, like, almost fully around. He kills it by squeezing um, I'm guessing sticking his thumb into its neck and killing it but then he drops the head where is the arm around where is the worm around his arm and then he just sort of drops the tail off oh yeah it so while we praise the practical effect and how great it looks close up when he's got it, and then it wraps itself around him. When he releases it and it drops to the ground, it looks fake. That looks so bad. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess so. It's because still- he just drops the head and just sort of wings the the arm, you know, the tail around his head. You know, he was wrapped up in that thing. Yeah, yeah, and I gotta say, so let's talk about that. So he's you know he's wrapped up and that shot of him uh, with with the worm wrapped around his neck uh christopher lloyd is either a fantastic actor or they are really squeezing the heck out of his neck because doesn't he look like he is like literally choking yeah like that's yeah he's i think he's on the verge of literally on the verge of verge of losing and passing out yeah and what do you think Shemp and, and Joe are going to do when the captain of their vessel stupidly dies from this worm thing? Hypothetical again, as we throw out our many hypotheticals. Like, what What do they – they probably look at each other and be like, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> but do they or would they or would they just start fighting each other like, I'm in charge now? Oh, that would have been hilarious. Right? Or <laughs> Uh, um, pick, picking up one of the other worms and throwing it the other guy, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't look like they—they they don't look like they're—they're they're not there to help. Right? No, they're just—they're just, they're they're just, just watching. watching. <laughs> like, oh, how's this going to play out? Yeah, yeah. There's I, I, there's all sorts of stuff I love about this minute. I love Christopher Lloyd's acting. The, the this, those two great yep. shots where he's choking. The other one, the second shot. Uh, shot where he's choking he almost stumbles and falls forward yeah uh, which to me looks again looks very, like very real like the special effects guys are just like crank it up let's get some real reaction out of it yeah <laughs> um uh i still get grossed out by how he kills it yeah and also a little confused <laughs> because the first close-up you see when he's is he's digging his hand in uh, yeah it it looks like grape jelly. Yeah. <laughs> but is, is that from him? or Like, is it bleeding? There's I think so that's much... from the worm. So that's not, that's not like blood or gut. Well, it's confusing because in the other shot of him sticking his thumb into it, there's all sorts of jelly coming out. Yeah. Well, I think there's the first scene you see him, you see his fingers. 
and I think you see a little bit of the grape jelly, but you also see some sort of looks like a a green slime. Yes, not. So I feel like there's that, but then when you when it reverses and you see it from the back, whereas thumb, I think his thumb is like just gouging right into it, and the purple jelly is what's coming out. Yeah, and that's how he kills it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good monster. It's a good. It's a good fight. Yeah. Uh, you get a nice close-up of his rings. And when he's squeezing it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, do you know how to read Klingon? Because I was wondering what his... his uh, I do, his I do cuff, not. His cuff says. But I'm sure we know some people who might know how to do that. And I'm sure they live on the Federation. Uh, I'm sure. Listeners Federation. Do you think it says... Do you think one says love and the other one says hate? And I I also, again, I just have this, I have this list of stuff that I just, um, when the, when the worm first wraps its tail around his arm, his arm is like covered in like his, his uniform or his his outfit is covered in fur, uh, which I never, I've never noticed in a, in a, on the Klingons, um, uniforms before i don't know if that's typical or if that's just yeah i feel like that would have been you know and again going back to continuity at the end of the minute when he finally defeats the worm i feel like his uniform would be like bill murray after getting slimed like it would just be so disgusting (laughs) yeah he should be covered with green snot and yeah jelly uh yeah and he looks he looks still dry just like everything else does yeah uh i think i ran through uh all the things I love, something I've never noticed before. Um, we may have talked about it uh, when Savick and David arrived and opened the tube. Um, yeah. you, you see the you see the t- the cover of the tube quite a bit in this minute, and yep. it's it actually it looks like they went through the trouble of making it look like a a real coffin. It looks like the, the roof is you know covered in ruffled silk. Yeah, um, a little weird. Yeah, they didn't just. I mean. I would have assumed if they put him in there, it would have just been an empty shell of a tor- you know, photon torpedo. So does that so does that mean that Starfleet has a dual purpose for their torpedoes? Mm. Their caskets and photon torpedoes? Oh, maybe. Or do they or do they just have casket torpedoes? <laughs> All right, we got to launch. Uh, you know what what happens if someone puts the casket torpedo? <laughs> In in the bay, wrong, and it bounces up. All right, fire, fire, photon torpedoes, fire, clank. Yeah, nothing happens. Oh dear, it was a dud. Ensign Jones put the casket torpedo in again. Uh, all right, what else we got? Um, we had some untranslatable Klingon in this minute. There was no yep. subtitles. So, one of the, I'm assuming we're gonna say Shemp. Uh, his he's off screen and he says uh, Yachu Garg Vak, which basically says uh, understood clearly, sir. Worms garbage. Um, I don't know what all that means in the context of what he's saying. I assuming it's it, it just seems a little the way it's translated not not coherent like a coherent thought. My guess is because he told him to lower his gun, you know, understood clearly, sir. And then, you know, worms garbage. Yeah, I could see them. I mean, we call them gross. So maybe that's just their version. Yeah. Gross. So then um, after he grabs it, the 
the Klingon says again, he says, Jiha, Jiha, Chejura, I don't understand what are your orders. So it, are we supposed to believe that Krug may have been trying to, in some version of the script, he may have been trying to say something like, help me? <laughs> like, help shoot me. Shoot it. Shoot yeah. it. <laughs> or shoot her from a. Yeah. <laughs> shoot her. Uh, um. And then Krug, at the very end of the minute, he says, Meh, Nadev, Kash, Wani, Ramku, which is bridge, nothing happening here, um, which in the novel, I think it's the novelization, it's different. He says, uh, he says to Torg, he says, Torg, uh, I found nothing of consequence. I am continuing the search. Now, I distinctly remember this moment in the theater that that got a big laugh. Because he just just about got killed by this gross space worm, right? And uh, and he just shrugs it off like it was nothing. That doesn't that doesn't even report it. Yep. Um, so that's pretty badass, I think. So something you know, as we've been talking about Krug for you know all these minutes, uh, one little tidbit that I did find out about Krug was that Christopher Lloyd, I do not believe, was their first choice. Okay. Um, I believe the role almost went to Edward James Almost. Oh, you're right. Yep. Yeah, I read that too. Yep. And I feel like this scene would have been completely different with him in the role. Yeah, because all I picture when I when I hear Edward James almost, I always just picture, you know, Commander Adama in the Passar Galactic reboot, which is, you know, shame on me, yep. he's been in a million things. But yep. but that's that's the that's instantly what I go to and you know, old uh old Edward James almost. Right. Uh so yeah, I don't, I, I can't quite picture it here. Could you? How do you think it would go down? Do you think it would just be more? Um, I, I monotone just, and. I think it would have been. I, I think it would have been different. Um, again, the only thing I think of when the, the first thing that goes to my mind is Blade Runner. You know, when oh, he, yeah. you know, how long do you think she has to live? You know, I that's. Right. Too bad she won't live. Yeah. So. I don't know how this scene would have played out if he would, was in this role. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I still, I like Christopher Lloyd. I think he did a guy. I, I think he, he did. Oh, I think he, yeah, I, I think mean, he did a great job. He sets the tone. He doesn't, you know, he's he's kind of a, what I would you say an, an over actor. I mean, you know, just his style. Mm. Um, but he works here. I, you know, if you told somebody who hadn't seen the movie, like, oh yeah, Christopher Lloyd, he, he's the, you know, the, the main villain. Uh, people be like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it doesn't. If you think about all of his other work, you wouldn't necessarily put him in this role, right? Um, but he he totally pulls it off. And I mean, this might be his only funny line in the whole thing, or I guess not when he told him to feed his pet. Um, but it works. He's he's a funny villain, as it were. Yeah. All right, man. That's a uh, that's all notes I had for this one. That's all I got, too. All right. That's a good one. It's a good minute. Yep. A gross minute, but a good one. Gross, yeah. Look. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Um, we'll go get ready for thanks- our Thanksgiving feast, and uh, we'll be back again on Friday. Um, in the meantime, if you want to find us out on the social medias, we're on Twitter and Instagram, Tumblr, at Star Trek Minute is our handle there. And uh, we'll be back again on Friday talking about Minute 55 of The Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.